Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we will start with public speaking. Colonel Will MacDonald from Carver Barracks has registered to make a statement about the running track project covered in agenda item 6B on our agenda. And Colonel MacDonald has come to the podium. So when you're ready, Colonel MacDonald. Thank you. Uh, Mr Chairman, uh, councillors, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for this opportunity uh, to address the uh, council meeting. Just by way of a short introduction for those of you uh, who don't uh, know me, my name is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Will MacDonald uh, and for the last four years I've been the Head of Establishment at Carver Barracks uh, and I've just come to the end of my tenure. However, this is one uh, particular thread I've been allowed to follow through on and uh, hopefully to a successful conclusion. Uh, Just to cover a couple of bits of facts and figures about Carver Barracks. Carver Barracks uh, comprises of a state of approximately 550 acres, of which only 28% is actually technical accommodation. The rest of it is training area and sports facilities. Uh, specifically three football pitches, one rugby pitch, one pavilion which has the capability of hosting four different teams at the same time, a rest facility, teaching facility uh, and also internal to the barracks we've got a large mugger, uh, floodlit uh, and also the gymnasium. Uh, The mugger I should say is booked out nearly 266 days a year predominantly by local civilian users. Uh, The barracks itself is growing in size, uh, even though infrastructure-wise we have to stay within the current template we've got. Uh, By the end of 2018, we'll have approximately 1,100 soldiers on the site, an increase of nearly 300. And we've got about 600 family members there as well. And by the end of 2018, we'll be hosting two uh, regular EOD regiments, along with the group support unit, Uh, of approximately 300 people. Uh, To go into the sort of meat of uh, uh, the actual uh, proposal uh, that's been discussed later on this evening, uh, I've got to highlight straight away that uh, Carver Barracks already provides quite a a large civilian-based facility that's used by a large number of people, uh, approximately on an annual basis between 6,000 to 8,000 users, 27 different sports clubs uh, and interest groups use the site, uh, which produces an annual income over the last few years of approximately £33,000 per year. Uh, And I'll refer back to that uh, in a few minutes. So I think the district are already getting quite a lot of value for money out of Carver Barracks right now. However, we want to make that uh, wider and more inclusive and to try and help even more people. Uh, The idea for uh, the proposal for the sports uh, facility came through a series of uh, community and council meetings, or liaison meetings, when uh, Councillor Artis was first uh, head of the council a couple of years ago. Uh, And out of that information I've just mentioned there about the usage of the site, uh, the idea came to try and expand the facilities given the feedback that we'd had from most of the user groups is is they needed more and better facilities in the district and we all knew uh, in reference to the difficulties in finding uh, suitable land for these type of facilities in the Artswood district region 
uh, Carver Barracks, because it was already a prime user by civilian clubs, seemed the natural choice for that uh, facility to be constructed. So the idea was born of a joint facility between the Council uh, and uh, ourselves, which was agreed by Defence Infrastructure Organisation Land Management, uh, as well as uh, the Army Infrastructure Team at MOD Main Building in London. We went forward with it as, uh, as, as comprehensively as we could. We had planning permission that was agreed and uh, designs were already paid for as part of the council. Uh, we've got full planning permission uh, for the site where it is. We have a contractor who's ready to start within days and all the sound and environmental studies have been paid for as part of the wider markets funding, which was uh, I mentioned earlier on, the 33K per annum. And that's how that was paid for there. So the idea was, was to maximise the, uh, the realistic capability and usage with what could be provided, uh, but do it as quickly as possible. Not in a few years' time, uh, but to do it as quickly as possible, for instance, now. So we've come to the point where there was an agreement uh, through the previous chief executive that uh, there'd be a matched funding capability up to £500,000 agreed a couple of years ago. And we're coming to the point where uh, now we've sourced the rest of the funding. Uh, and I should say that LIBOR, uh, run by uh, national government, have provided or agreed because of the unique relationship uh, aspect of the project between ourselves and the council, uh, agreed to match fund themselves up to £500,000. Uh, that money will be going into Carver Barracks Fund in the next two weeks. Uh, my own corps, the Royal Engineers, have an annual welfare stipend of £1 million per annum to spend on worthy projects. Uh, Major General Mark Manns, who is our Chief Royal Engineer, uh, agreed uh, for 20% of last year's fund to come towards this project, £200,000. So in essence, we already have the £1.2 million, if you agree to the money uh, on the match funding side, to start the project as quickly as possible. We believe that this provides value for money. If you look at a facility elsewhere in the country for exactly the same uh, design and what's going to be delivered, you are talking between 9 and 11.5 million pounds. It's a large amount of money, notwithstanding finding the land for that facility to go on. Carver Barracks has already provided that land uh, for usage by the Council in the past. For instance, the Tour de France, where we were the centralised facility within uh, Essex, uh, for the Olympic baton relay. Uh, which we had par car parking for up to 9,000 cars on the site. So it's already showing that it's got utility beyond just a sports facility. We have uh, canvassed opinion from uh, most of the sports clubs uh, that uh, have used the site uh, over the last two or three years and directly through the Saffron Walden Strategy Sports Meetings, which we've attended over the last three years. Uh, and 
almost to a man, uh, they've said that uh, this is the sort of facility which they're familiar with as a location and they'd very much like to see as soon as possible. Uh, even to the point where we have uh, Mo Parks, who's a national athletics coach uh, who actually works at Cambridge. Uh, he has one of his students, uh, Adelaide Adwambu, who is uh, a UK school's triple jumps champion and who is an Olympian in waiting right now, uh, who would love to be able to use a facility close to her home and not have to travel the hour and a half to either Cambridge or Braintree to use a facility like such. I should note, however, or I should, uh, I should uh, mention that the fact is that uh, she actually started training on a facility at Joyce Franklin that was provided by the Army Community Covenant Fund in 2014. So the triple jump area that she started her training on was already provided by the military at Joyce Franklin School. So there's already a thread of relationship there. If we started small, we get possible Olympians. If you provide a larger facility, you're going to expand that opportunity to far more many uh, children and youths within the district even further. So what we're looking to do is to, to provide a facility which you could call an exemplar of how local community and the military can share facilities into the future, uh, as well as strengthen relationships. And I mention into the future because I know there's concerns about 2031. Uh, however, uh, we've already had a, a number of areas within the defence strategy which have highlighted that the original plan it will not work in its current guise. Uh, my particular feeling, and I can say this now because I'm just about finished in the military, is that Carver Barracks will remain a long past 2031. Uh, so we're, that's where we are right now. So we're looking uh, for your support, please, this evening. Uh, if we do get the go-ahead, the large amounts of the money are already available. The contractor can start in the second week in August and can deliver the facility complete by December 17. So in essence, in 2018, we could have a facility which is in readiness in combination for our youth to be able to take part at the same time as we have the Commonwealth Games in 2018, the Youth Olympics in Argentina in 2018, as well as the European Sports Championships as well. A huge opportunity. So, uh, we're on the start line, and you are holding the gun right now. Uh, for some of us that's been involved in this, it's been a bit like a marathon. However, uh, as I've just alluded to, it could be very much a sprint because we could see this facility up and running within months, not years, and that's where we are right now. And that's all I'd like to Thank say. Thank you, Colonel MacDonald. Thank you. We have been contacted today by Rob Parkinson of Historic England to speak about item 11 on the agenda, Tilty Mill. Although Mr. Mill, Mr. Parkinson registered of the deadline, I've agreed to allow him to speak. So please make your comments. Thank you. Chair, members, I'm Robert Parkinson. I'm a specialist conservation architect 
working with Historic England in Cambridge. I'm here to speak in support of your officer's request for delegated authority to serve a repairs notice at Tilty Mill. At Historic England, my colleagues and I have been supporting your officers for some time now, and I would like to take this opportunity of um, complimenting the Council on the skill and expertise of its officers in this area. Um, and I'm here to offer our continued support um, in this work. I'm able to confirm that in addition to our technical support, we can offer grant aid to the Council. So we would be prepared to offer up to 80% of the total costs of the Council um, in pursuing this work. And to slightly sugar the pill even more, we would count your officers' time towards that 20%. So we think the work in serving the repairs notice at Tilty Mill is very important. Um, I commend it to you, I commend the work of your officers to you, and uh, unlike Colonel MacDonald, I'm not here to ask you for money, but to offer you some. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. on to apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Have we got any, any apologies for absence? Uh, I have Councillor Davis and Councillor Goddard. Are there any others? Uh, Councillor Lees, thank you. Councillor Hargreaves. Councillor Hargreaves, thank you. <coughs> Councillor Mills. Councillor Foley. Councillor Riles, Councillor Felton. Felton, is that it? Right, any declarations of interest? Councillor Barker. Chairman, as an Essex County Councillor and specifically with regard to item 6B, I would declare a prejudicial interest as the Army Covenant falls within my portfolio at Essex and I will leave the meeting for consideration of that item. Thank you. Any others? No, thank you. We move on then to item 2A, which are the minutes of the meeting on the 16th of May. Is it your wish that I sign these minutes as a correct record of that? Chairman, there is an inaccuracy which I would like to correct. Yes, please do. Thank you, Chairman. If you turn to page 9, bottom of uh, the final paragraph... It says that I um, told members that it would bind eight consecutive council administrations. This is not true. I said it would bind 12. 12 fours are 48. It's a 50-year loan. It's 12 successive administrations. I think the, video, the audio record will confirm that. Right. 12 administrations. And over the page, uh, my colleague might want to correct me on this, uh, but Councillor Lodge uh, personally agreed with the investment at Chesterwood Park although members of his party, that implies that all members, in fact some members of his party, did not. I think there should be some members inserted there for accuracy. Right. Are we happy to make those corrections? Right, thank you. Is your wish I sign these minutes then? We'll do for this meeting of the 16th of May. Then we'll put another meeting as well, of course.
then we come to the minutes of the Extraordinary Council meeting on the 11th of July. Again, is it your wish that I sign these minutes as a backer record, Council Ranger? No, Chair. I'd also like a correction made, please, to page 19, <coughs> fourth paragraph, um, second sentence. Take out the words respond, requested that responses be given to all who participated in the consultation. I didn't ask for that to be the case. Um, I did request that everybody reads it. Right. We're happy with that. Any other amendments? Right. I'll sign it. Thank you. Right, we come on to item three, uh, Chairman's announcements. Uh, see, a lot has happened since the annual meeting, because the last meeting was devoted, of course, to the local plan. And one of the things I think we should do as a council is to recognise those who have given good service, long service. And as you may know, uh, Lord Peter, who is the Lord Lieutenant of Essex, will be retiring next month after 15 years service some of you will know better than I how many engagements he has performed over that time but if it's your wish I think we as a council should write to Lord Peter to thank him for his work for Essex over those 15 years he is carrying on as the president of the Essex Scouts Association. Um, he's reached his, he will have reached his 75th birthday and um, has to stand down. Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, first of all, my apologies for being a little bit late. But Mr Chairman, if you're making that a proposition, I I'd be delighted to second that. As chairman of the police authority, I had a lot to do with Lord Peter. He has been entirely dedicated to that job for a long time. Mm and has really done an excellent job, and I think the least we could do is to write to him to thank him very much. So I'd be, I'd be delighted to second your proposition. Thank you. So is it your wish that we do that? All right, thank you. Um, his successor, Mrs Jennifer Tolhurst, who was High Sheriff, will be taking over on the 4th of August. Um, she will have a hard act to follow. Um, as it's been a while since our meeting, we've had a general election in between, and regardless of one's political views, I think this council should recognise the work of Sir Alan Hazelhurst. Sir Alan served this constituency for 40 years, and I think the least we should do is to, again, write to Sir Alan to thank him for his work. I've dealt with him a number of times over the years, and I've always found him courteous and helpful. So again, I would like to suggest that, and we also note that we've got a new member for Suffolk Warden, Mrs. Kelly Badenock, and I'm sure we look forward to a, a constructive working relationship with her. So if that's your wish, we would do that. Councillor Chambers? I'd be delighted to second that as well, Mr. Thank Chairman. Thank you. I think it's just important with these important occasions where people have spent long service uh, just to, for us as a council to recognise that fact. Turning on to uh, engagements, I have had, as goes with the job, a number of engagements over the last two months, and there are no particular order. Uh, I'm 
it's a very interesting role that one has because you do get out, network with people, and one of the things that I would hope to do is to bring back information to this council that I find from other people which might be relevant to us. So uh, I'll just ring, go through just a few of the engagements I've done. Uh, so it began, we've got the army here, and I took the salute with the Mayor of Saffron Walden at the Freedom of Saffron Walden Parade, um, Engineer Regiment, which is a very nice day, I remember. Uh, again, uh, I went to Carver Barracks recently to attend the Beating of the Retreat ceremony, and I didn't realise until I started talking to some of the officers there that perhaps I should have realised that some of their personnel are actually in Iraq at the moment, training the Iraqi army. Um, I also went to the Thaxted Festival and listened to Claire Teal and her trio. I don't know if anyone's a jazz enthusiast here. She has her own show on a Sunday evening on Radio 2. And Gareth Stainer, who is the artistic director and is retiring from that post after 20 years. And in my view, he's done a very excellent <coughs> job. And uh, certainly the people there on that evening enjoyed the performance. I also met staff and students at the summer concert in Saffron Walden County High. Um, this is my old school many, many years ago. Schools weren't the happiest days of my life, I don't think. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, I went to County High and I was talking to the deputy head and he tells me that the lower school has got, now got 1,500 pupils and the sixth form 700 students, both of which are oversubscribed. I'm a member of the local advisory panel for Forest Hall School in Stansted for the current year seven starting in September. They're also oversubscribed. So there does seem to be a pattern there which, who knows, scrutiny may want to look at. But I also attended the civic luncheon given by the Bishop of Chelmsford, um, some of you may know, I was talking to Councillor Chambers and Councillor Barker do, and Councillor Lodge, uh, Councillor John Jowers, the Vice Chairman of Essex County Council, and he said to me afterwards, the best lunch he'd had for a long time in his official engagements, uh, which is probably some achievement. Um, the speaker there was the Reverend Pete Hillman. Reverend Hillman is in charge of St Mark's College at Audley End, so I had a discussion with him after the meeting and he's keen to raise their profile and very inspiring address he and his wife are fostering two young people from Syria and Eritrea uh, which is to say the least challenging at times I also attended the Essex Scout Council annual general meeting Superintendent Simon Anslow who's responsible for the specials at Essex Police, gave the address. And I talked to the superintendent after the meeting. And there's some good news, not quite so good news as far as we're concerned. The good news, as we probably all know, is that Uddlesford, along with Malden, has the lowest crime rates in the county. The not-so-good news as far as the superintendent was concerned was that along with Malden, Uttersford is the most difficult area 
in the county to recruit police specials from. Uh, they put a £5,000 advertising pound budget. Their aim is to get 52 police specials in Braintree and Uttlesford. So far, there are just, just a bit above 20. So if any of, any of you or you know of people who want to be police specials, I'm sure Superintendent Anslow will be very, very pleased to hear from you. Uh, but it is a challenge for them trying to recruit from Uttlesford. And he gave some reasons why. But lastly, I attended the Uttlesford Business Awards, uh, the first business awards held at Parklands in Quendon. Very good evening. And I'm uh, delighted to say that the winner of the new business of the year was none other than Councillor Stephanie Harris. We also had, within our ranks, two finalists, Councillor Fairhurst and Councillor Farthing. So congratulations to both of them. I, that, can, that is the main uh, events that I've attended. I'm making one or two very small changes, which I hope will lead to better communication, because uh, I'm conscious, even after two months, a lot of the work that the chairman does falls very much under the radar. And so what I've done with the assistance, the cooperation of the chief executive, there is now a section on the Uttlesford website where you can invite the chairman to an event. Um, we're now setting up a Twitter account uh, which will have details of engagements and so on. Of course, my successor is up to her as to whether she wants to continue with any of these things. Um, but also, I've, again, the Chief Secretary hasn't seen it yet, but I've sent her a copy of um, something called Chairman's Chat, this is not a, a plagiarised it, I'll be honest. Um, my brother lives in Ely, which is in East Cambridgeshire, and the chairman there does precisely that. It's a communication which sets out what the chairman's been doing over the last month or so. Again, it's a way of communicating about what, what one does and some of the issues that you, I found like the specials, like the sixth form, etc. So the chief executive has agreed to read my comment and draw, get her a red pen out and correct any errors, and that will come your way at some some point. So with that we move on to the next item, which is the report from the leader and members of the executive councillor role. Uh, thank you, Chairman, and uh, good evening, colleagues. Uh, first of all, can I uh, commend you for that report? It was uh, both interesting and um, I think uh, you know my view of the importance of the Chairman as an ambassador. And I, by the sound of it, you're getting to a lot of places and meeting a lot of um, people that will help Uttlesford. And uh, so I, I thank you for that and uh, uh, look forward to your continued report. Uh, I'd also like to echo your comments about uh, John Peter and uh, Sir Alan Hazelhurst. Um, both have done sterling work uh, for, uh, in the case of uh, Lord Peter, uh, Essex, and uh, in the case of Sir Alan, the constituency of Saffron Walden. And um, so I think it's, it's absolutely right that we recognise that um, in the case of a politician, whatever their persuasion, we'd do that for anybody. Um, briefly, Chairman, uh, three points. Um, the local plan consultation is underway. Um, there have been two uh, exhibitions to date, one at uh, uh, Great Chesterford um, and uh, last night in Stebbing. 
you know, we're getting feedback, obviously, and we're in the middle of the um, consultation period, so I won't try and second-guess the feedback. But one of the recurring themes is around uh, what really do you mean by God and community principles? Uh, and uh, so we will organise a member briefing um, in, uh, well, as soon as we've got the holiday season out of the way, so in uh, hopefully uh, early September. We've had one already, but I think it's right now that people are much more focused on the subject, uh, that you're as knowledgeable as you possibly can be on the principles. Obviously, the principles of the individual uh, settlements uh, will, are, are, are for further negotiation, but the generic principles, I think it would be really helpful that we fully understand them. Uh, the second uh, point I'd like to raise, and, and incidentally, as far as um, um, <coughs> the communication is concerned, uh, this will be delivered to every household in Uttlesford very shortly. And as you know, there's quite a lot of activity going on on our website, Twitter and um, Facebook accounts, and we've got an interactive feed that I think has um, um, been recognised as being quite good by, uh, by some. So that's, uh, I think, uh, we're trying to do our best in that respect. As far as the second item, um, we're all aware, I think, that um, the Manchester Airport Group will at some stage this year be putting in a, an application to increase the passenger numbers from 35 million to 44 and a half. Um, and again, I think it's really important that members fully understand that from every angle. Uh, so again, we'll arra arrange a member briefing for that too. Uh, the final thing... Um, Chairman, is, uh, I received a communication today from Roger Hurst, the Police and Crime Commissioner, to say that um, the Minister of State for Policing and the Fire Service, Nick Hurd, uh, has announced today that Essex will be the first area in the country to move to joint governance of the Police and the Fire and Rescue Service. Um, in, in the letter, it, it, it stresses that uh, each organisation will retain their own identity and their own chief officer. Uh, but by implementing joint governance, uh, the strategies of both organisations will be able to be better aligned. Um, they rec reckon that uh, over 10 years there will be £23 million worth of savings, but it's more than savings. It's about joined up response to incidents, providing crime and fire prevention advice, creating community safety hubs, of which we have one in Uttlesford, and we're working very successfully with both. So uh, that initiative has been announced. Uh, I think that's probably enough, Chairman. Thank you. Any other announcements, Ms. Councillor Ranger? Thank you, Chairman. Uh, members, since our last uh, non-local plan for council meeting in May, I have, along with the officers of the council, attended a conference arranged by the Police and Crime Commissioner, which, among other things, illustrated the means by which the service is dealing with crime across the county and how greater inter-service coordination will benefit us all, uh, upstaged by the leader's uh, comments just now. Another organised by the Planning Advisory Service on how to plan for public health within our new communities. We attended a meeting with the West Essex uh, Clinical Commissioning Group exploring the way forward for our primary care. I attended a meeting of the Youth Initiatives Working Group. I've seen a working example of how Anglian Water and Essex County Council are working proactively to install flood prevention measures and how they can help property owners to put protection in place. We have attended a conference promoting ways which the elderly can live well without being socially excluded and isolated. And as well, I've sat in on various other group meetings where our officers are supporting the voluntary sector. Officers also recently rang the Crucial Crew programme to great effect. All of this work our officers undertake on our behalf and it's, essentially especially, it's essential, especially so as we look to build new communities and the knowledge and experience we all gain from their work will help ensure that such developments are fully inclusive. 
Lastly, but no means least, I have signed off in excess of £62,000 in grants from our community fund towards improvements and new facilities for parishes, village halls, etc., up and down the district. <coughs> Thank you. Other? Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, just a couple of items I'd like to bring to people's attention. Um, you've probably um, seen already the press release we had about Cornell Court. Um, our groundbreaking ceremony on that was actually delayed because there was so many elections with different um, councils having put funding in. So we finally had the groundbreaking ceremony, although I think it was something like 26 weeks into the uh, programme, and you'll all have seen it going up near, near Tesco's. Um, but just so you're aware, that is the um, first independent living scheme that we have in Uttlesford. Um, and it will provide 73 uh, units there, 33 of which will be shared ownership and 40 will be for affordable um, rent. Um, it's hoped that the first tenants of that will move in in September 2018. Um, and as I say, it is, uh, has been, I'm really delighted to say, um, a suggestion I made of calling it Cornell Court after Daphne Cornell, who is a district councillor here, Mayor of Saffron Walden, um, town councillor, who did so much for this um, Saffron Walden community uh, and the district. Um, it has been named Cornell Court. Unfortunately, on the day of the groundbreaking ceremony, poor Daphne wasn't very well. So um, we send her our very best, and I hope that she will be there for when we actually have the opening ceremony. But you'll be able to watch that building um, go. Um, go up and as you know it's got a very very large crane there so you can see that um, work is going on even on lights at night um, and then there was one other thing um, Reynolds Court in Newport um, unfortunately I wasn't very well but the officers have um, the first phase of that has been completed and our tenants in the existing the, the part of the building that we haven't knocked down. They have now been moved across into, or in the process of being moved across into their new accommodation, which I understand they're all absolutely delighted with. Um, and the uh, Tenants Forum have had a guided tour of it, as, as have myself and um, Councillor uh, Felton. Um, but so I'm really pleased to say that that um, has been successfully successfully gone through and those new those residents are settled into their new accommodation in Newport and I'm sure if the um, local councillors would like to have a look round that's something we can also arrange there but I'm just really pleased to say that, that was one project that everything went smoothly so far and uh, everyone's moved in and we're looking forward to um, the next phase thank you, thank you. any other <laughs> comments no we move on then to item five, members' questions to the leader, and members <coughs> of the executive and deputy chairman. Does any member, <coughs> Councillor Dean? Thank you, Chairman. Somewhere in the last uh, couple of weeks, I think that I've read uh, a council provisional intention to change or get rid of the village green waste skip system. I suppose my first question is, is that correct? Because I, I believe I have done. Uh, and if so, all I would comment at this stage is that uh, there are some parts of the district that can't subscribe to the 
um, to the collection service because the vehicles can't get to them or they don't have places to storage. So I'm just really wanting confirmation on where one goes about uh, raising uh, objections or representations on that matter. Thank you. Rolf. We have taken no decision on that. That service is highly um, regarded, respected and valued by a number of communities. Any other questions? No? And then we'll move on then to item 6A, matters re referred from the Secondary Secretary of Discretionary Rate Relief Report. Councillor Howe, please. Thank you, Chairman, Councillors. Um, th there is a slight confusion between the agenda and the papers themselves. The agenda refers to 6A, which is the discretionary rate relief, and there's also a paper 6B, which is business rates revaluation relief, and the item of Carver Barracks is a paper on page 43 um, under 6C. But I propose to take the papers, 6A and 6B, but I speak only to 6A on the agenda, if that's okay. Um, the, the papers themselves are really somewhat complex. Um, the devil's in the detail, and there's an awful lot of detail uh, in, in this. So if you don't mind, I'll try and keep this relatively high level. You'll be well aware that the government's, government's undertaken uh, a national revaluation of all commercial premises. And so from the 1st of April 2017, all premises have been assigned a new rateable value, and that's used to calculate business rates bills. Um, Numerous members of the public have approached me on the subject, and I'm sure they've done so to you. I need to remind them that while we are the collection agency, it is central government that undertakes the revaluation. And inevitably, in a process such as this, there are winners and losers. To deal, first of all, with the losers, there has been an increase in the rateable cap, or rateable value cap, from um, £6,000 to £12,000, as a consequence of which you would be able as a business to qualify for 100% relief. And as a result of that change, 454 businesses that previously paid business rates no longer pay business rates. And in total across Uttlesford, 1,101 businesses pay no business rates as a result of the revaluation. So there are a significant number of winners, but inevitably, as I mentioned, there are going to be losers and on average there's been an increase for most high street shops and premises of about 16% across the district. Um, the government has historically provided various forms of discretionary rate relief and we established our own discretionary rate relief policy in 2014 which followed the government guidance. However, that policy now needs amending to reflect the changes that arise from the national revaluation and that's the item which we're considering under 6A. The reliefs are discretionary. They are funded by central government through Section 31 grants, but they do require members' approval. And I would hope that Council will support the continuation of such discretionary reliefs. The first one, set out on page 31 in item 10, is the supporting small businesses relief. The second is the pub relief. The third, which is funded by Uttlesford, is the local rural rate relief. 
Um, there are a significant amount of detail on page, on page 32 under section 13 to 18 dealing with the various businesses that were previously protected under the rural rate relief and the impact of the rate revaluation on them um, and the proposal to increase the upper level criteria from £25,000 to £27,000 as a result of which none of the previous recipients of local rural rate relief will be disadvantaged as a result of the national revaluation. There's a very helpful paper in Appendix A which sets out all the details of the discretionary rate relief, summarises the categories, who are the eligible organisations, and also gives details of the mandatory relief and the discretionary relief, and I'd refer you to that for all detailed questions, if you don't mind. The second paper, which is 6B, deals with the revaluation relief fund. Now, the government, recognising that numerous businesses have been impacted by quite significant changes in their business rates, has put in an additional discretionary relief to support those businesses. It's a tr transitional relief arrangement. It's funded by the government, again through a Section 31 grant, and it's proposed over four years on a reducing basis. Um, the details of eligible businesses are set out on page 41 under note 13. These are businesses that have a rateable value of less than £200,000 and face an increase of more than 12.5%. We've excluded national and large chains and the proposal is that in year one they will receive a 50% relief, in year two 25% relief and year three a 12% relief. I should note that this is by application only. Um, this, I believe, will help to smooth the introduction of what may, for some businesses, be quite significant increases in business rates over an extended period, will allow us to continue to support those rural businesses that we need, will ensure that we can put the money that we want to where it will be most useful, and so I hope that Council will support the recommendation under 6A on page 30, which is to approve the reliefs as set out in the main report and Appendix A, uh, the new discretionary rate reliefs supporting small business relief and pub relief, and the revised criteria for local rural rate relief, and the second recommendation, which is set out on page 39 under 2, that we approve the revaluation relief funding scheme as detailed in the main body of the report from point 6 through to point 16. And I'll leave it to the Chairman as to whether he wants to take that as a single recommendation or combine them. For the Councillor Rolfe, any questions to Councillor Howe on this item? Right, then I propose that we take this as one item. Those in favour of the recommendations are set out, please show. Do you think that's unanimous, Mr Snow? <laughs> That's unanimous. Thank you very much. Move on to the next item, which is 6B, Carver Barracks Running Track. Councillor Ranger is going to present the Cabinet's recommendation. Thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> this item arises, Members, from a commitment previously made by this Council to contribute funding to the Army to aid the construction of an all-weather running track together with other 
associated athletic field events facilities at Carver Barracks. This project has been driven to this point by the efforts of two of our number, Councillors Tina Knight and Councillor Keith Artis, who have both shown a strong commitment to promoting the benefits of strengthening our links with the armed forces personnel at Carver. It was originally intended that the facility would have been in place by now. However, issues arose that prevented the Army from being able to confirm the necessary match funding. The most notable issue was the announcement by the MOD that it was their intention to consider closing down the barracks in or around 2031. I'm pleased to report that the match funding has now been arranged and so the project has been resuscitated. There are, however, now different terms to be attached to the financial arrangement. These variations have been discussed and approved at Cabinet and it was agreed that the matter would come before full Council for ratification. Should the barracks close earlier than 2031, this Council will be refunded approximately £35,000 per full year. That is based on one fourteenth of the money we advance. The £500,000 sits within the Council's Strategic Initiative Fund, which is a reserve for the strict purpose of enabling community benefit projects, and it was agreed that this facility warranted being included within that reserve. Members may be concerned about the extent of community use and the justification of making what is basically a grant, although we have the protection for partial refund that I have already outlined. I refer members to part two of the recommendation in paragraph two, where reference is made to the terms of the grant and the heads of terms of the arrangement are set out on pages 48 and 49 of the papers. Members will have noted that it is a two-party agreement, the MOD and UDC. These terms have to be met to our satisfaction for this to work, and the Army know that. There is no ongoing cost to the Council for maintenance, but we will be seeking to include an option of termination with refund if the standards slip to an unacceptable level. Members can be assured there is no clash with the terms of our PFI arrangements for providing leisure facilities in the district, as this will be the first permanent running track. Community use of Carver Barracks already exists, so we are not breaking new ground in this agreement. These are new facilities, so the uptake will be for the various clubs and organisations within the district to make known to me what use they would like to make of the facilities, so that when I sit down along with our officers and the MOD, there is a clear vision of the direction that we want the agreement to take. Within our draft local plan policies, there lies the Council's adopted Sports Facilities Development Strategy, and I would refer members to paragraph 12 of the papers. This grant and the agreement for community use is the fulfilment of part of our action plan, a plan that arose out of the development of the strategy and the background work undertaken to determine our needs. It is clear that sports facilities across the district are not the best they can be. Certain pockets of excellence do exist, but basically we have not kept pace with demand, a demand that will continue to rise. It will rise not only by population growth, but also because this council is determined to encourage people to lead more active lives and to leave those active lives for longer. We are doing great work on the health and wellbeing front, and it could be said we need to put our money where our mouth is. Well, here is chance number one. Members may have some concerns about the longevity of the facilities. The proposal for athletics facilities we are promoting at Carver Barracks have already been granted planning consent and they will not go away when the barracks close. I would like to say if they close, 
but we all know we will have no final say on whether or not that comes about. But if, if, if there is a proposal way, way, way down the line for major housing development on the site, sports facilities will be part of the mitigating measures to be agreed before a consent being given. So there is a line of engagement for this council to pursue with the MOD, but it's not formed part of the negotiations arising from this grant. It's not possible at this time to identify what sports facilities may be coming forward from the new settlements that we may allocate within our local plan, but I will do my level best while I'm a member of this council to make sure that they are plenty and that they are planned, pertinent, accessible for all, well managed and of the best possible quality. I have already noted these are new facilities, but what facilities they will be. This district can become home to a centre of excellence that will be the envy of many a council for many a mile. It is accepted that when you want to be an elite sports person, you may have to travel long distances to practice and even longer to participate in competition. Some of that can be relieved here at Carver Barracks, while we also provide access to those whose ambitions may not be so lofty, and I have no doubt that new clubs will spring up to use the facilities that are not available in such a convenient location. I make no apologies for speaking at length, colleagues. I'm passionate about this proposal, but I am willing to answer questions. I'm mindful of the need to ensure that we achieve the best possible result for our communities in negotiating use of the facility and also mindful that time is of the essence. And should we agree at Council this evening to take the recommendation forward, tomorrow we will be arranging an initial internal meeting of those delegated within paragraph 3 of the recommendation to clarify the heads of terms criteria. I am therefore suggesting the recommendation as set out in paragraph 2 be amended to read 1. Full Council resolves to make the payment and therefore, thereby endorse the Cabinet resolution. <coughs> 2. That the sum of £500,000 is given as a grant with terms as set out in this report. And three, that delegation is given to the Director of Finance and Corporate Services and the Head of Legal in conjunction with the Portfolio Holder for Communities and Partnerships together with the Chair of Scrutiny and Councillors Knight and Artis meeting to agree the terms of the grant. I so move. Thank you, Councillor Ranger. Does that recommendation have a second? To speak now, Councillor Artis, or later? Thank you very much. I'm, I'm probably going to repeat quite a lot of what uh, Councillor Ranger has said, but uh, rest assured that uh, Councillor Knight and I have been working uh, on this uh, Carver Barracks uh, Sports Village uh, ever since I re-established the uh, Liaison Committee uh, during my chairmanship of uh, UDC. It's been a long process, uh, refining the design, maximising the opportunity for community use and trying to steer a path that gives our council value for money. As has been said, this was all running smoothly and we were about to press the button when the MOD interrupted the process by stating they were going to sell the bags in 2031 or before. Um, at this stage, the army had secured just shy of £500,000 from LIBOR Fund, £196,000 from the Engineers Association Fund and some additional funding to the tune of £100,000. And this was, uh, matched funding, uh, this was uh, uh, match funding predicated on UDC providing the seed funding of the £500,000 that we're talking about tonight. Now, negotiations with the MOD have taken place over the last year, 
And the result of these negotiations, as has already been said, was that the MOD offered to refund any money we contributed on a straight-line depreciation basis, i.e. for any year the barracks is closed before 2031, we receive £35,000 per year back. But Tina and I have, uh, have been discussing with, uh, with the Army uh, their current um, uh, requirements, or the MOD's current requirements, and, and I think it's pretty sure that the barracks is not going to close any time soon. So in hindsight, um, this is actually a good deal. So if we had voted to grant the barracks the money and the MOD had then announced closure, we probably would have lost our investment. So we have a deal here that safeguards, safeguards our money to the effect that we, could, we are contributing the equivalent of £35,000 per year for 14 years. To have a sports facility that, as has already been said, would probably cost between £6 and £12 million to build from scratch when available land is taken into place. Now this element of the overall project includes a running track, athletics area, new sports pitch, properly drained and floodlit. Uh, the Army has already prepared uh, an additional two sports pitches on land adjacent as part of the preparatory works. So who will get to use it? The concept is that this is a facility that both the Army and the community can benefit from. And it's a prime example, as has been said, of the community covenant between the Army and the Council. Yes, the Army does have a requirement to use it and we'll use it for a number of hours each day. Uh, the community clubs, organisations and schools will be able to use it at weekends and evenings, plus by arrangement with the Army during the day, say for school events. So far, the Army have not um, turned any clubs away for military reasons or operational reasons. Uh, the only reason people have been turned away is that uh, the facility has been oversubscribed by, lo oversubscribed by local organisations. So the paper prepared for this agenda item does not paint the full picture as there are many current users and also potential users. Over as has been said, over 5,000 people have used the current facilities over the last year and this will only increase and with the benefit of that acreage of car parking. The new facilities will be able to offer real home ground to various clubs plus the establishment and use of athletic clubs in the whole district. The possibilities are endless and really exciting. I could list all the, the, uh, the clubs that currently use the facility, um, but they are indeed too, too long to mention. But of course there are also um, schools that use the uh, facility as well. And an event last year which I attended with John Davey, our previous chairman, who I'm sure could attest to what great facilities uh, there are on offer. Basically, it's a win-win for UDC. We receive sp superb sports facilities for a minimal cost, and we get our money back if it closes. And also, let's face it, if the barracks are sold, then I'm sure this council would want to retain such sports facilities on the site, and this would form the part of any Section 106 or similar agreement with developers. It's a win-win. I can give more information about usage and demand, and I'm sure the closure of Saffron school facilities will only add to that demand. This is an opportunity for this council as a whole to support the community covenant and joint fund a fantastic facility for our district. Please, I beg councillors to support this proposal tonight, which is recommended by the council's cabinet. Tina and I and the army have put too much of ourselves in this project for it to falter now. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Artis. Any other speakers on this? Councillor Dean. I have some... Uh, I I, I welcome what I've heard both from uh, Colonel MacDonald and for that matter also from Councillor Artis about this scheme and I, I have been aware of it for I can't remember how many years now. I certainly 
spoken on quite a number of occasions to Councillor Knight about it, and I did attend um, a presentation at Carver Barracks a couple of years ago, and, and, and we did have one here. But th this is the first time, nevertheless, that we've had a formal proposal to this Council on which to make a, a decision. And I am, I am concerned about the way that it's come forward, because in my view the report that we have before us that came to Cabinet and came to here contains hardly any detail whatsoever, nothing that one could describe as um, a business plan in, in which one were intending to invest uh, £500,000. And, and, and it's, the, it's the process, I have to say. You know, I, I've been brought up uh, and, and we've, we've, we've had a lot of discussion over the last couple of years about evidence-based decision-making, particularly on the local plan, uh, where we've been scrupulous there. And yet, the, the report that's come to us tonight does not contain any substantial information on usage, potential usage. It has one or two... Um, statements, it says that 8.2% of the adult population runs at least once a week. Well, I don't know what that means in terms of uh, the potential use. If, if it means that 8.2% run somewhere in the district uh, once a week, what's the impact on that? What will this facility... Um, I, I can't imagine people who live near me driving up to Carver Barracks for their morning jog before they catch the train, if, if you see what I mean. So that's just one example of few bits of information in the report that doesn't give me information on which to make a decision. Um, there's, um, there's another statement in there at paragraph 15 which says there is some emerging demand for the facility in the north of the district. Uh, again, you know, that sounds rather lukewarm. So what, I, what I'm saying is that I would have expected um, a report to come to us which contained hard and forecast information on, on usage, some information, and Councillor Artis has made reference to the sharing arrangement, but some information about the uh, way in which the public will, will be able to use it. Um, and I, I, I just think that we, we haven't been given an adequate presentation or an adequate documentation on which one can make a sensible judgment. Um, and so for that reason, I, I'd like to put um, an amendment. Um, I'll read it out for the benefit of those who are online. Uh, I think you've all got a copy in front of you. It says that the Council notes the request from Cabinet to endorse a £500,000 grant towards a running track project at Carver Barracks, <coughs> welcomes the potential opportunity for continued partnership working with the Army at Carver Barracks and to expand the facilities. It recognises that, that there would be public benefits from such facilities to be available in the district for use by the public, and in some way that's more of a welcoming statement than, than, than in the report that we've got in front of us. Fourthly, um, or thirdly, should I say, is not satisfied with the level of completeness of the report that has been put before it to justify the expenditure by the Cabinet, in particular the absence of sound quantified evidence of public demand and how access to the facility would be managed, 
to maximise the public benefit and should be presented in the form of a business plan. And fourthly, therefore, request that Cabinet delays making a grant payment until further evidence has been brought forward for consideration. And Council requests that a proposal be reviewed by the Scrutiny Committee process with the aim of ensuring that a final decision is made by Cabinet against a fully informed and documented case. So, I'm, you know, you might say I'm a, I'm a process wonk, but we, we are told that we should make evidence based decisions and we have not been presented with evidence we've heard verbal comments and so on but that you know that should be in print and we should be able to question it and, 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 and question the source but there's, there's nothing to get one's teeth into in, in this report so I, I would like to propose that amendment and of course hope that, that this can be done rapidly I have a seconder Do you wish to speak to it? No, I'd like to ask a couple of questions. All right. Um, regarding the amendment or regarding the main motion? Uh, regarding the main motion, I think. Yeah. Yes, we're talking about the amendment at the moment. Yeah, well, uh, which you yeah. seconded. Well, I can put it on either. It will apply um, to either. Councillor uh, Knight, on the amendment. We're dealing with the amendment at the moment, which Councillor no, no, Dean has okay. proposed on. and has been seconded. Um, that amendment on. Yeah. Um, I reluctantly, uh, I, I feel, have to agree that the paper put forward for this project was poor indeed. I'm sorry that the way that we have discussed on a number of occasions that there should be more interaction between officers and councillors, particularly ward members when these things are going on, it would have been more helpful because I think we could have put forward uh, a far better case. Having said that, this matter has been done to death for the last four years. We, most of us here, have all seen presentations by the Army, by Councillor Arcas, by myself. Uh, we've had sports people here. We had another namesake, Councillor uh, Jones, um, uh, who, sorry, Derek Jones, rather, of the sports project. So we all have done this to death. We know what's been involved. As we said before, we nearly came to this a couple of years ago before this news came out about the bar barracks possibly closing down, when we had found out the costings, the amount of people that will use this. Um, I think it's nitpicking. Um, I, I can accept what Councillor Dean says, but this, this information has been open. There's a plethora of paperwork. We've all seen the figures. We've all seen the presentations. I'm sorry it wasn't a better paper. I'm not responsible for it. Uh, and I can quite understand on the basis of what was presented, Councillor Dean's apprehension. But I think we have to look at the bigger picture. There's enough... Uh, um, information around to support it. I think Lieutenant Colonel MacDonald has given uh, quite a substantial amount of information to enable us to make a sensible decision on this. But we have to also take into account time is of the essence. If we do not make this decision by the end of this month, we risk 
this whole thing going down the chute. We lost the project two years ago. We've had to build it up and start again. The army have bent over backwards. There have been units and divisions foregone some of the money that they have for their own projects to back uh, Carver Barrett's project because everybody thinks that this is going to be uh, a complete leader and something that other areas will want to follow in the future. Let us bite the bullet and let us be the forefront of a jewel in the crown in the sporting world uh, and, and meet some of our commitments. And I, I would hope that you will all, those of you who have seen the presentation will know that if there's any questions you need, they can all be answered. There's enough statistics to know that it's proven and as a viable proposition. I please hope that uh, you will not uh, support this amendment here and go with the proposal put forward. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Knight. Any other questions on the amendment? Councillor Freeman? Yes, thank you. I... Um agree with all, both speakers I think the argument in favour has been very thinly put together and I think councillors deserve a better standard of evidence than this however the people involved I believe are honest and true and they've done their homework and in particular the army who are extremely good at delivering so I am certainly prepared to support this on the basis of the integrity of the individuals that have put this together and the people who will be required to implement it. But in terms of the quality of the report, I think we need to do much better in future, Chairman. Any other comments on the Councillor Farthing? Thank you, Chairman. Um, life is too short to keep kicking these opportunities further down the track. Um, this is the best project I've had the opportunity to vote on. I think we should move on. It's a great benefit not only to the army, but the local uh, community and people outside our community. So let's go ahead and vote for it while we're still young, and I would urge people not to make an amendment. Thank you. Any other comments? Before... Uh, thank you. Councillor Morris? Thank you, Chairman. Um, as somebody who has been looking at um, the availability of sports facilities for the past couple of years in Suffern Morden, um, I've yet to reach the decade of councillors Knight and Artis, um, but uh, hopefully we can achieve something um, in the not-too-distant future. Um, and I very much welcome this proposal. This is, to coin a phrase um, learned from the, our chief executive, this is spade ready. This is um, ready to go. It's deliverable. We're looking at people having use of this facility from January next year. Um, I think when looking at the heads of terms that we've got quite some way to go to um, agreeing a community users access and use um, agreement, but I welcome Councillor Ranger's earlier comments with regards to widening the number of people involved in that, that now includes both Councillors Artis and Knight, um, and I would hope that Councillor Ranger would welcome any comments and input that other interested councillors might have. I myself would like to have a conversation about that. Um, but. Personally, um, I think this is great. I, I do fully support it, and I would rather see that we have something delivered 
you know, soon, within the next six months, then we wait another six years for something. So I, I do support this this evening. Yeah, I encourage uh, colleagues to reject the amendment. Um, I, I, I sense that uh, <coughs> we're just delaying a process that uh, is, uh, whether it's spade ready, but has been considered for a long period of time. Uh, and uh, just, just rewinding, uh, health and well-being is absolutely essential to uh, our community and is a key objective of this council, cross-party, uh, so it's not a political issue at all. Uh, our current provision of sports facilities is not good enough, uh, and I know Councillor Morris is doing some really good work around that. Um, and, um, uh, and this is going to be exacerbated by the potential closure of Walden School. So if ever there was a time for more sports facilities, it is absolutely now. And I'm not going to comment on uh, the worthiness or not of this report, but we, I, we heard uh, some very important statistics from uh, Colonel MacDonald, Lieutenant Colonel MacDonald, um, and uh, we, we are aware of those uh, in terms of its current usage, around 7,000 um, civilians using it, 27 clubs using it, uh, some, of the, some of the facilities maxed out in terms of their time. Um, so you know, usage is, is not an issue. A, a, a statement, the last bullet under uh, paragraph 14, 100% of respondents to the sports club survey believe there are too few athletics facilities in the district at present, and then other groups who might well be using it. So I, I think the case is, 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 is well proven. And um, you know, on the other point of value, uh, that point has also been uh, heavily made in terms of half a million pounds to get a facility that would cost four or five times that if you were starting from scratch just seems a heaven-sent opportunity. I strongly urge you to get on with it, reject the uh, amendment and uh, support the motion. Thank you. Councillor Lockton. Thank you. Um, well, I'm sure you'll tell me if this isn't the right time to say this, but um, yeah, the population of Atlasford is roughly 85,000 and Colonel MacDonald said there were 6,000 people that use the facilities, so that's 80,000 that don't, roughly. Um, but I, I just wondered, because we haven't had, as a, you know, we all agreed that the report wasn't excellent, we haven't had a proper, I don't think, business plan, but I'd like to know, will these facilities be charged for, and if they are, who will reap the benefits? Will it be the barracks? Will Atlasford get any of that? Because I'm sure they won't be free. I'm sure they're not free now. So, um, before, you know, I think that might be part of the amendment because I'm actually talking about the business case, but I'm not sure if I'm in the right place. Ranger, can you answer that? Thank you, Chairman. Um, the facilities currently used by sports clubs are charged for by the Army. We receive none of that money. Um, no, it's, um, it's not our facility. And Sorry, the existing use is charged for by the army, but we don't get anything because it's not our facility. Sorry, so we're asking... Uh, sorry, I'll stand up. We're asking Uttlestead ratepayers to pay for this, half a million pounds, uh, and the, they won't get anything back. Is that what you're saying? We have not made any decision on whether we are going to be charging anything for our part of the process. <coughs> That's where the heads of terms negotiations Councilor come into Nye being. There yes, she may well be doing. Thank um, you. If I may interrupt, I'm not sure of the correct proceedings, but uh, the Colonel has said he can actually answer that question. And I think rather than us all 
speaking sort of on what might be possibly maybe possible to, for him to answer can, that. Can you answer that, Councillor Artis? Um, as uh, Councillor Major has said, currently the facility is, is, uh, is the Army's property and uh, is, is run by the Army. When we have contributed uh, the amount of money that, uh, that hopefully we'll vote for, to, for tonight, um, the additional um, revenue created by the, uh, the usage of sports clubs will go purely to the maintenance of the facility, which of course we will not have any ongoing liability for. The management, the administration and the maintenance of the facility is all undertaken by the Army. As if by magic, I have the answer. Um, it will be a non-profit making. Uh, all the funds will be held by a central uh, office, DIO, um, and this will be used to, uh, to uh, make the whole thing self um, self-sufficient and will be for maintenance and repairs etc so that it will be completely uh, a non-profit making situation Sorry, that isn't what I asked I asked what the ratepayers of Alisford will get out of it and it seems they won't get anything they'll be giving it but they won't be getting anything apart from the uh, occasional use of the facility no, I don't think that's the answer you got at all. Uh, what you heard is that a pretty spectacular feature is going to be at no cost to the ratepayers of Uttlesford. They are not going to be paying for the maintenance. If, this, if we owned this, we'd be employing a team of people to look after it. We'd be dealing with all the maintenance. These things cost money over time to repair. So what you're hearing is there's no cost. Therefore, there is a benefit to... Uh, the, com the communities. They, they will pay the normal um, sporting uh, fees that uh, you do when you hire a ground or you hire a room or you do anything else, but you will, you will not be paying anything towards the maintenance, and that is a significant cost. Right. Thank you, Councillor Roth. I think we put the amendment to the vote. Uh, the amendment, I think, is before you. It has been proposed and seconded, so we're voting on the amendment and not the recommendation as stated. Those in favour of the amendment please show. Those against please show. <coughs> Abstentions. Is it two or three? Three. Three. Thank you. Substantive recommendation. Uh, any Castle Lodge you wanted to speak on this? Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, to, to add to a lot of other voices, I'm uh, very strongly in, uh, in favour of the proposal in, in principle. Uh, and uh, I may actually be the, the, the only member here who actually uses the facility at the moment, sporting facilities at Carver Barracks. So you may gather for that that I'm a, a great uh, proponent of this. Uh, yes, the, the, um, uh, the report in the papers left something to be desired and, and the heads of terms. And so I'm, I'm sort of building confidence, though, that there will be a negotiation process and there seems to be a willingness on, on both sides to get it right. Um, you'll have seen that I distributed a, a minimalist slip of paper 
earlier on, which I was considering this as, as, a, as a further amendment. And maybe I could just start by, by asking the question of Councillor Ranger here. Um, surely, if, uh, and this perhaps then should be part of the negotiation, if the army does leave for, for whatever reason and, and, and leaves, leaves the site there, surely we should, we should negotiate strongly uh, to, uh, to retain that for ongoing community use. Yes, as, thank you, Councillor Lodge. It's a, it's a very valid point, and I did touch upon it in my address, I thought, when I said that there is an avenue for discussion with the MOD along the, the thoughts of what happens to the facilities when they close, and, but that is separate to the negotiations we're going to be having over agreeing the community use. So it will be a parallel discussion and we will be exploring every avenue we possibly can. There are no plans for development there, so we've got nothing to attach a Section 106 to, um, but our best endeavours will be to make sure that those facilities are inherited in some way uh, by the community as part of either a future development or some other development that we may want to be party to if it becomes a vacant uh, unit. Does that, does that reassure you? Yeah. you just, just come back briefly then. So I, will, I won't actually put the, uh, put the council to the, to the pain of, the, uh, of a further possible amendment uh, because I think, as I said, I've, I've been given confidence tonight from what has been said from the work that council artists and council knight have been doing. Uh, and, and I think you will, uh, it is my view that you will go down the right line. So on, 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 on the basis of that, I won't formally put forward this amendment. I fully expect you to, to do that in the negotiate that goes on, and I will uh, support the motion. Artis. Can, I, can I just say that even if the, the amendment was posted, it, 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 it's the right thing that uh, we will be doing. We will be indeed uh, negotiating at the time of the, uh, the closure uh, to, to ensure that a sports facility is retained at the barracks under whatever agreement of a master plan. So, so yeah, I mean, the principle is fully accepted and, uh, and I welcome it. I've got nobody else. Councillor Ranger, did you want to sum up or should we go to the vote? I'm quite happy for it to go to the vote, Chairman. Thank you. All right, so we'll go to the vote. So we're voting on the recommendation in front of us. Those in in favour of the recommendation, please show. <coughs> Those against abstentions, I think there's four of us. Thank you. We'll be one of the first people there next year, but uh, I would encourage people to go there. <laughs> Right. Yes, we move on. I think Councillor Susan Barker will be returning to the room. She's aware with this item is finished. Thank you. We are moving on then to item seven, which is to appoint a substitute member of the uh, Essex Police and Crime Panel. And. Councillor Rolf is. Thank you, Chairman. I, I'd like to propose uh, Councillor Vic Ranger as uh, the deputy to Councillor Gordon. Uh, Councillor Ranger is the cabinet member for the Community Safety Partnership, so it seems wholly suitable. Thank you.
second of that proposed council night thank you uh, sorry council other nominations apart from councillor ranger no so then that is that is carried so councillor ranger is appointed as substitute thank you item 8 matters received from committees and we have a verbal update on the work being carried out by the public engagement working group and to progress the establishment of the Youth Council and would like to invite Councillor Lemon as Chairman of the Public work Engagement Working Group to report to the meeting on the progress being made. Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chairman. Athens um, Youth Council is currently made up of 25 young people aged between 13 and 19 from across the district who meet monthly to discuss issues in their community. The Council is already planning to hold elections in October for new members to replace those that will be leaving for college and universities. The Youth Council has met five times since forming in March. It has set up a number of working groups to explore further the themes of terms of reference and constitution of the Youth Council, mental health, the work, working on a consultation with young people planning a project to deliver to schools in partnership with the District Council and MIND in West Essex, transport, particularly to and from schools, and more recently, the future of Walden School, which is led by pupils from the school. The working groups are meeting in addition to the Youth Council and report back to it. Due to the time, but due to the time of year, exams and holidays have slowed anticipated progress and they still have a number of issues to resolve moving forward, particularly relating to their terms of reference and constitution. The Public Engagement Working Group will continue to work with the Youth Council to prepare a final report which will go to our full Council on Tuesday the 10th of October detailing the terms of reference and constitution funding and offers of support required from the District Council to move the Youth Council forward. I have been impressed, so impressed by the enthusiasm and the keenness of the youth of Uttlesford to come together to discuss important matters that not only affect the young people of Uttlesford but also the whole of our community. And I believe it is vital that as, as a council, we listen and work together with them in the future. Um, I have two members of the Youth Council here tonight that would just like to say a few words. And I'd like to introduce Adam Langworthy and Charles Yallop. Welcome to the council and thank you very much for partaking in this important work. Uh, thank you. Um, I just wanted to quickly say, uh, so I've been heading up the uh, Constitution and Elections Working Group. Um, so we're just ironing out the last um, details for that, so hopefully for October we'll have a full uh, Constitution in terms of reference that we're all happy with. Um, but whilst I'm here, I just wish to quickly express my personal gratitude to the District Council and to the Public Engagement Working Group for their setting up of and support to the Youth Council. Although um, we're still in our early days, 
it's been fantastic to see other young people very enthused and engaged uh, with the issues at hand with the Youth Council. And I hope this has proved to be a fantastic asset to the district in years to come. I can only hope that you will continue to look and indeed vote um, as favourably upon the Youth Council as you have done so far in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, so, um, I'm Charles Yarp. I say, um, when I was approached by the Public Engagement Working Group, um, I was really thrilled that the, my local council was going to be get, getting involved, taking steps to ensure that people my age can be heard. Um, this is something which I don't think has happened before, and I'm just really thankful for this. I'd like to extend those thanks. Um, I made hopes for the Youth Council going forward that we will be able to have a genuine opportunity to not only discuss, but have a real voice over topics including mental health services, local jobs, local transport and housing. Um, I'm also a member of our communications working group. Um, so we're working with the likes of Dan Barden to ensure that our work is regularly discussed with the public and we're discussing the practicalities of how to engage in social media to ensure that people my age are um, kept up to date. And all I'd like to say is um, I'd look forward to work with you, working with you in the future and thank you very much. Thank you very much for your participation and I understand from Councillor Lemon that some members of the Youth Council will be going on to university this year. I'm not sure if that includes yourselves, if it is. Uh, good luck for, in your studies. Uh, uh, Chairman, could I just once again stress the, the huge importance of listening to the youth of our community. It is very, very important. We haven't, I don't think in the past, really done this. But in the future, we definitely will be doing it. Thank you. The valuable work that you're doing. So we will move on to item 9, delegation to the Governor's Audit and Performance Committee. Councillor Oliver, as Chairman of the Committee, will propose the recommendation in the report. Councillor Oliver, please. Thank you, Chairman. The oh, I looked at the right page. The recommendations are that approval be given to the delegation delegating the following matters for decision to the Governance, Audit and Performance Committee, carrying out and giving effect to the outcome of community governance reviews of parish boundary and electoral arrangements including the power to make orders for creating, abolishing and altering parishes, grouping and regrouping parishes or dissolving parish councils, and, to, and B, carrying out and giving effect to the outcome of statutory and interim reviews of polling districts and polling places as needed. The electoral, this was all work carried out by the Electoral Working Group, which has already been subsumed into the governance Audit and Performance Committee. Thus, this delegation of electoral and boundary reviews has been left somewhat out, of, out on a limb like an orphan child. It would make sense to give it a permanent home rather than form yet another working group. So I move the resolution. Seconder, Councillor Howe. So can we take that, go to the vote on that? We've got some recommendations there. Those in favour of the recommendations, please show. I think that's unanimous. Yes, thank you. On to 
Item 10, the Local Government Association Corporate Peer Challenge. Can I ask the Chief Executive to present the findings and key recommendations, please? Thank you, Chairman. Uh, I'm going to give you some background and context, and then the leader will take you through the recommendations and comment. But the Local Government Association offers a free corporate peer challenge for all of its members across England and Wales, and the challenge provides a robust external health check that can provide councils with confidence by validating their existing approaches as well as providing feedback and ideas for further improvement. It is not an inspection, it is a voluntary programme that can bring external challenge to the Council in terms of its local context, political and managerial leadership and organisational capacity and skills. The Peer Challenge is designed to be a proportionate process which is outcome focused with an action plan developed. So I joined the organisation in February 2016 and spent some time getting to know the Council and this included exploring the opportunity to strengthen the corporate plan and exercise a greater community leadership role. Discussions with staff evidenced how very committed they were and how demonstrated huge pride in their work. But it was acknowledged that there was room for improvement in customer services, communication, utilisation of IT and other areas. But it also struck me that the financial issues of 2007-2008 were still impacting on the organisation, despite the Council now being in a very sound financial position. I therefore felt that, to me that an, an LGA corporate peer challenge might help members, officers, uh, to see and appreciate perhaps what they could not see, having lived through those difficult times, and therefore to seek some views through the peer challenge process of how the council was viewed by other partners and the community, and indeed by our peers in local government. I also considered it a good opportunity to test out the emerging corporate plan and the action plans put in place in response to the staff feedback. So these arrangements were put in place for the review to be undertaken in November last year and as you can see from the report the peer review team spent three days in the district speaking to a whole range of stakeholders and of course including yourself members. Initial recommendations were fed back at the conclusion of the review, but the final report was only received in May, uh, the timetable having been impacted by the availability of our LGA resource colleagues, in part due to the general election. But I should make it clear, it is their report, it is the report of the peer team. Having discussed the report with my senior management colleagues and staff, we think this is an accurate reflection of our strengths with constructive commentary on how we can manage things even better. We have therefore produced the action plan attached to the report. So together with corporate management team colleagues, uh, the leader and cabinet members, we will lead on the implementation of the action and will provide regular updates to the Governance, Audit and Performance Committee pro regarding progress, which will also be shared with staff, key partners and other stakeholders. So finally, the LGA offer as part of the Peer Challenge Programme a follow-up visit and this will be arranged in due course at a time when it is considered most beneficial to us. Uh, bear in mind when this is coming to yourselves, probably in around a year's time. Thank you. Councillor Rolf, I think you are going to propose the recommendations. I am. But I have gone on to another page, Chairman. So I'll read out the recommendations and I'll continue. The Council note the findings and key recommendations from the Local Government Corporate Peer Challenge, which are in Appendix 1 and which I'll just come to in a minute. The Council agree the action plan that addresses the key recommendations, which is Appendix 2. So um, we've been considering uh, a peer review for a while and the Chief Executive has outlined uh, what sort of finally pushed us to the point. Um, and it's a bit like... Uh, 
you know, having an appraisal, um, you're not necessarily wanting it, but actually it's good for you. Um, and, uh, and this turned out to be a really worthwhile exercise um, and something that the council needs to do on a periodic uh, basis uh, to keep uh, having some external uh, examination of the way it works and how it works. Um, so, uh, in summary, it was, it was very worthwhile doing. Um, a lot of councils do it, not everyone, but a lot do. I understand Essex County Council are about to undertake one, good for them. Uh, so, the principle is, is good, and the LGA do it very well, uh, so um, we were in the right hands there. Um, you all have read the, uh, the summary, the executive summary. Um, I mean, you don't... I don't think they go to many places and say, you are outstanding, we can't find a single thing that you could do better, and uh, probably we wouldn't want that anyway. So it really comes down to the key recommendations, which are on page 60 under paragraph 2. Um, and uh, number one is continuing to develop our position as a place of opportunity. And I think collectively that very much links to the corporate objectives, as the Chief Executive has indicated. And you really have to bring those objectives alive um, and... Um, Council has um, approved the objectives and uh, the next stage obviously is to make sure that we are, uh, we are making them happen. Communication um, is the second area and we've heard an excellent example this evening of how we're reaching out to young people and I think that's first class and if I may just uh, make a comment, though, thank you very much for your contributions, um, but clearly uh, we need to find how you are engaging back into the council so that it becomes a, an interactive dialogue. Uh, not everything on your wish list is going to happen, but you know that. But clearly, we need to listen to you like we need to listen to everybody and to, uh, to make happen what we can happen. So communication is extremely important. Um, we're on a journey, and uh, you know, for most of us, recognise that in life there are only two speeds. There's, there's either reverse or there's forward. Standing still is not really an option, and um, this council will continue to be on a journey. It's on a very exciting one at the moment, and we've got to you know, create the compelling narrative around that journey. Member development. So um, Braintree District Council uh, got a, a member charter uh, for their member development work. We are miles off that, uh, but I know Councillor Lemon's group are going to look at that as soon as they can in the early part of the autumn. And it should be our aspiration that we're, we're going for some kind of members charter as well. Uh, so a, an extremely important aspect. Um, any organisation is only as good as the people in it, the officers, but the members as well. Um, so holistic workforce strategy, you know, an awful lot of uh, activity has gone around in that. Uh, we're a small council. Um, we've got to make sure that we're attracting the right people. We've got to be realistic in the marketplace in terms of our terms and conditions. And partnership relationships, um, key to everything we do and um, something that we're driving forward. And then, and then the final point is, you, you know, take pride in what you're doing. Uh, and I think, uh, I think collectively we do do that. So very happy with the recommendations, very happy with the comments. Um, then if you go turn to page 73, you'll, you will see... Um, how those uh, recommendations are being laid out in terms of something of, a, of an action plan and um, I commend those to you as well um, because as, as I said at the beginning it, it's no point in just doing this exercise and then putting it in the filing cabinet uh, you've got to make it happen so that's laid out uh, on those pages so I commend this to the council thank you Does that have a second to the recommendations? Councillor Ranger sorry um, Councillor Dean, you wanted to speak. 
Thank you, Chairman. Yeah, I, I welcome this report. I have um, four points, or should I say one point and three questions to ask. Um, the first one, I think probably best if I go through all of them. Uh, the first one on page 73, which is the recommendation to continue to develop your position, that is the Council's position, as a place of opportunity with regional and sub-regional partners. The third paragraph in the middle column, or the one detailed action column, I don't understand it. It says, continue to work with the London Stansted Cambridge Consortium to progress the cause, apostrophe S, uh, offer, in quotes, including its livability strengths. That means nothing to me, so I'd be interested to know what it means, please. On um, page, it says three, but it must be 70-something. The, the, the um, page uh, with a, an item, recommendation, review, and reprovide member development investment, just to simply endorse strongly um, Councillor Rolfe's uh, point about our being behind Braintree. I don't know anything much about Braintree, but I can say uh, from long experience that the um, rolling out the encouragement of member development uh, has been lacking here for quite a few years. The, uh, on the same page, uh, strengthen the partnership relationships and increase the intensity of delivery. Um, well, that's on page 75. I've now spotted that the page numbers hidden underneath the text. Um, at the bottom it says review of LSP, that means local strategic partnership I presume. Review the LSP structure to ensure clarity, focus, governance, etc. And consider establishing an innovation fund. Again, I'm curious to know what that means. I'm, I'm a bit out of touch with the LSP. Um, does this mean it, it's actually going to do something more than it does at the moment? Um, oh, those are the... No, I'm sorry. And the, the final one, uh, which is at the bottom of page 76, um, the middle column, the, the, the penultimate detailed action item, it says review grants to consider match funding criteria, development of SLAs, etc. I may be getting myself confused here, but a year ago, the scrutiny committee and the cabinet agreed that new rules for our own granting system should be drawn up to make, them more, to make the process more rigorous. Uh, it's my understanding that nothing has happened in the 12, last 12 months, so is this saying get on and finish it, or is it something else altogether? Um, welcome feedback, please. Yeah, thank you, Councillor Rolf. So, um, cause offer including its livability strength, I'm struggling with that one myself, uh, but um, the, the, the London Stansted Cambridge Consortium um, was set up by a guy called Greg Clark, not, not, the, not the Secretary of State, 
but another fairly influential figure. Um, and it, it, it really recognises the phenomena that is going on between Cambridge and London uh, in terms of research, life sciences and, uh, uh, and everything in between. Um, and what each part of, of the areas around uh, have to play in that. We've got an international airport in our midst. Um, we've got our, our, our own research now in Harlow. Um, they're becoming the Centre for Public Health England. So um, I think that's what it means. But, but it's, 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 it's being an active par partner in the LSCC, which, 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 which is important. You know, the LSCC was the driver behind the um, study to four-track uh, the railway that's around in Hazelhurst very effectively chaired, actually. Um, now, you've probably heard today that the government has agreed to fund um, Crossrail 2. So, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure being applied. So, uh, that's the, the first point. Member development, I think we're all in agreement. I, I think we just need to get on and make that happen. We've been talking about it for too long. Um, the LSP, they've been to the council and presented in their various constituent parts, which are um, the Health and Wellbeing Group, which is... Uh, doing uh, some very good work, closely liaising now with uh, the CCG and the NHS generally. Um, the Families and Children's Group, which was instrumental in setting up the food bank, is now instrumental in, in organising a reading group for those primary care children who can't read properly, so a group of volunteers are doing that. Absolutely outstanding work. And a whole host of um, excluded families um, and, and, and um, domestic violence and, and looking at a number of key areas which then leads into the community safety partnership which we actually house upstairs with our PCSOs and with the fire service and, and bringing all of that together in terms of how can we work with the relevant authority and then the fourth one is ESET is the acronym but it's for economic development, uh, transport, the environment and uh, further education and as you know we're making good progress there as well. So it's about making sure so these are things that the council does, but it should be doing them with partners. It should be reaching out. So we're not the police force, we're not the health service, but we are connected and on behalf of our stakeholders. So um, it's just making sure that the LSP stays relevant, that the government, governance is right, that it's connected to the council. Uh, so uh, I think at times it's not sufficiently connected to the council, so how can we improve that? As far as grants, uh, we give out a lot of money um, in one form or another, and it's about just about making sure that, that money is going to the right place and it is a good use of taxpayers' money. Uh, a lot of it is. It's for some very worthy projects all around the district. Um, some of it's match funding, but others enables communities to build um, you know, play areas or refurbish community facilities, and uh, that's good, but uh, let's just make sure it's focused. So I'd just like to come back on the, on the last one. because is, So is this referring to the improvements and change procedures that were agreed will be produced a year ago but still haven't been dealt with. Chief, Chief Executive. So if I may, uh, in terms, so I take uh, and apologise for the, uh, the jargon used in the action plan. So the uh, London Stansted Cambridge Consortium, within that there is what we refer to as a core group which is ourselves, Harlow, uh, Epping Forest, East Hearts and Broxbourne and we call ourselves the core 
because obviously we're between London and, Stanford, uh, London and Cambridge, so we're the core, and the livability agenda is about what we have to offer as, that, as a discrete part of that corridor in terms of uh, livability or a great place to live. So we offer um, a, a great quality of life, the balance between the great rural environment, the heritage and character, the towns and villages, uh, but also the excellent connections to get to work and play. So uh, it's strengthening our place within that corridor so that we're not just seen as somewhere that people drive through or that we get subsumed by London and Cambridge as part of that phenomenon. Um, in terms of the uh, strengthening of the LSP governance, just to add that um, when I joined the LSP had, was consisted of really the chairs meeting on a regular basis, but actually the opportunity through the partnership agenda to expand into working with the voluntary sector through an annual conference, uh, which was held last year and is scheduled again this year, picking a topic that cuts across those partnerships so that we um, make the sum greater than the parts, if you like, and we've been working on social isolation. Uh, as far as the, and of course the LSP, I have picked up comments, particularly from yourself, Councillor Dean, about not being fully aware of what the LSP is up to. So you'll see through the Members' Bulletin, we are providing a regular item on the work of the LSP, and it started with a sort of a general introduction to what the Local Strategic Partnership was in the last bulletin. And then specifically your point on the grants. So yes, there was a review of the grants process started and as a continuing review, so finishing that, that phase that we started, uh, but then reflecting further on whether we can make that grant money go further by looking at whether there is the opportunity to start to consider uh, requiring match funding or indeed to move some of those grants more to SLA, service level agreements, whereby you are requesting outputs and outcomes linked to the grant funding. So that's a further stage of the review which we haven't started yet. So I hope that clarifies that. Thank you. Any other comments, questions? If not, we'll go to the vote. It's being proposed and seconded. Those in favour of the recommendations, please show. I think that is unanimous. Thank you very much. We move on to the next item which is the repairs notice for Tilty Mill. Councillor Susan Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, this is a bit of a no-brainer, really. Uh, we heard earlier from Mr Parkinson, and we know that in Uttlesford we have 3,000 listed buildings. I can spot nine members in this chamber who live in listed buildings. We have a duty to preserve these buildings for the future. We can't replace them. We can't... Whatever. They, we've got to encourage, we've got to work with owners. We all, I live in a listed building. We do our best to keep it keep to the traditions, um, apply for the necessary uh, permissions when we look to make changes. And in the case of Tilty Mill, we have tried to work with the owners. We've heard that our officers are very respected by Historic England. They praised the officers earlier. That's great, but in this case, the encouragement hasn't gone quite far enough. And Tilty Mill is now the only, well, of the 30 assets that we have on the uh, our own heritage at list, this is the one that has gone up to the Historic England list. Uh, we're now asking permission to seek to serve a notice on the owners to get them to bring it back to the condition it was at the time of the listing and asking for delegation to the Assistant Director of Planning to sort of prepare and serve those notices. Um, we have had a letter from Historic England a few months ago asking us to go down this route. As we heard from Mr Parkinson earlier, um, he will be covering or they will be looking to cover up to 80% of the costs 
and some of the 20% could be counted by us as being staff time. There will be a cost. It won't be an enormous cost to this authority, but I think we all have a duty to preserve this building and other listed buildings in our authority, and I would read the recommendations that a repairs notice be served upon the owners of the mill to secure repairs to bring this building back to its condition at the time of listing to arrest further deterioration of the fabric and structure unless reasonable steps are being taken to carry out essential repairs to the building. And secondly, that the Assistant Director Planning is given delegated authority to prepare and serve the repairs notice and associated schedule of repairs and to take all reasonable steps connected to the preparation, service, defence and enforcement of the repairs notice short of instigating compulsory purchase. Um, the paper does set out a variety of options regarding funding, but members, I would urge you to go with this so that we can get a move on, serve notice and get some repairs done. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. I think, as Councillor Artis said earlier, in regards to another item, it is a no-brainer, this. Is what we do. Does that have a seconder? Uh, Councillor Redfern, any comments? If not, we'll go to the vote. Those in favour of the recommendations, please show. I think that is almost that is unanimous. Thank you. We move on to... Any other items considered to be urgent? There are no items I consider to be urgent, so I'll now move the part two of the meeting to consider an exempt information item. I propose that under section 100 of the Local Government Act 1972, the public be excluded for the following item of business on the grounds that it involves the likely disclosure of exempt information as defined in paragraph 3 of part 1 of schedule 12A. There's a seconder for that, Councillor Dean. Uh, with a vote to move into part 2. Those in favour of moving into part 2, please show. Yes, I think that's carried. I will now... Um, Mr. Has, have colleagues...